the recording has started. Sometimes, sometimes. Okay. Welcome, listeners. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Ash. This is my co-host. Hi, guys. I'm Kaylee. And this is the Changemakers Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about how to be a change maker. I mean, we'd blather on about change makers and it's in it's in the title of the podcast but how do you be one and to help us find out how to become a change maker we have our guest Amon Cherry who was the past president of Bessa and Yuxa which it later became he's a recent graduate student of environment management and disaster management say hi Amon Hi, I'm on. I mean, hi, everyone. <laughs> What's good? What's good? <laughs> so, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm good. I'm good. Always good. How are you guys? How are y'all guys doing? Pretty much the same. Yeah. End of semester feels, you know? I know. Well, I remember. I don't know, but I remembered. <laughs> I remember going through all of that. So before we get into all that, though, we would like to begin with some acknowledgments. The first goes to the EUC Dean, Alice Havorka, for always supporting our student outreach initiatives. The second is to Rosanna Chowdhury, our experiential education coordinator, who is a fantastic resource for career and volunteer opportunities, recruitment, and work-related queries in the EUC. And last but certainly not least, we have the Huron-Wendat, Anishinaabe, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations people. Without these first people of Turtle Island, we would not be here today, and they deserve to be thought of in all aspects of our continued activities. So our first question for our wonderful guest, what is a change maker? When we use that term to refer to people or when we say that we're training people to be change makers, what do we mean in the context of the EUC faculty? Okay, great question. Very good question. Um, let me start by saying that everyone is a change maker in some way. Um, whether we affect change, so we, affect, we all affect change in the world, either big or small, consciously or subconsciously. Um, but what makes an EUC change maker in my eyes is that you identify a problem in society and through education, determination, and partnership um, with like many individuals. We work to address these problems to make positive change. Uh, we identify ways to advance society. You know, you don't sit around with for change. You be the change you want, and so you don't sit around and wait for change. You are that change you want to see. Whether you're like me, who seek to find ways to advance and understand the waste industry, uh, bring the world to a zero waste society, or help mitigate climate change actions that's, that cause emergencies, um, or maybe you're like others who want to fight for social justice or animal rights. Um, or even assist your incoming a fossil free environment. Um, or maybe that change maker that empowers people around you. Whatever you decide to do or whatever your stance is, the conscience to actually fight for what you want and believe in, the ability to grow, the ability to lead and to grow um, makes you a change maker. Or um, our determination to succeed makes us use to change makers 
in my eyes. Our determination to succeed and grow is what defined us apart from everybody else. That was pretty good. And yeah, no, it, it's true. You know, you, you got to find a, uh, a cause to champion, you know? And even if sometimes you think you start small, and even if you stay small, that's fine. That's fine and dandy because not everybody can change the world. In fact, most people can't. They've tried. It we do work. though. We do. We do change. By us existing, for example, I was telling mm-hmm. um, Rosanna yesterday. Um, there's not. There's some people that I just that I hang not hang around. I'd be around just to motivate me. In mm-hmm. terms of they, I, I, they, they can't go. They, they're too shy to go out and do stuff. But they're very good motivators. Mm-hmm. They're the ones I call when I'm depressed and they're like, oh, keep going. We got this one done, Pat. So yeah. mm-hmm. everyone has a role. Everyone mm-hmm. has a, a kind of function. Just in, kind of know what your function is. All right. Yeah. Is that weird to say? Hello? Know what your function is? Oh, that, that makes perfect sense. It's true. Mm-hmm. I was on top of this later on. But for example, when I, I came in for waste management, I came to do waste management and being in the waste industry. Um, and the reason I got started in BESA. Um, was because we were in, I think, a thousand class. We were outside. I had got school early that day. I never don't get school early. We know this. I always be the last one to walk. Oh, you know, you're not my class, but yeah. I'm always the last one to walk in to make a scene. And I sit down. <laughs> so I got school early that day for some reason. And I went to Starbucks, got coffee, and I came to class. I drank, came to class, and we, everybody was outside sitting down. And one of these students was like, well, we haven't eaten for the day. Like, in the morning, and I was like, isn't that? Why have you eaten? So we sat down and talked about it and everything. And students were like, yeah, that's not a common thing they do. They, they don't, they eat. A lot of international students come to school and they just eat because things are hard, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I felt horrible. I didn't know what was going on. I went to Anne in and the advisor and in the office, I was asking like, what can we do for these students that, and Anne told me that there's, there's scholarships and stuff available for them to come and get stuff and that's, that can sound like, but how, they don't know that. How would they know that? And that's what made me got involved better so that my classmates were good in terms of they knew what the kind of service that you're having, you know what they can go and get certain things from and that kind of stuff. That's why I got involved. Because, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's honestly the same reason I got involved is just because I felt there were a lot of things I didn't understand about all the potential this degree has in helping people, like how the work placement works, what Rosanna's job is and how she can help you. Like there's so many people I think that just go through this degree kind of like with blinders on or they don't know where to look for the information. So it's so important to like reach out to Yuxa as a whole and just like get in touch with your other student peers and see what they can do to help you. Because you know it's hard to navigate base school. It is. It is really yeah. hard. And then there's so much there's so much I realized that I don't know if y'all realize it, but there's so much red tape that you have to go through. And I'm not very good at red tape. I I'm that person that cut tape and go through the actual thing that said do not enter. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I am that person. So I kick down doors to get more information from everybody else. And yeah, that's how I got involved. That's how I became president, stayed president for that long. Yeah. Quite a while. I I for my I think my last year of because for the first three years of being Ubesa, everyone used to come to me for everything. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing my job right. I'm not empowering everybody else. I'm just, I'm literally focused person. So in my fourth year and third year, I think fourth year, mainly my fourth year, I was like, I'm not doing anything. I am going to sit outside and watch and you guys figure out what to do. Y'all had me for two years already, figure it out. 
and they did them y'all did an amazing job I'm very I was impressed in-person classes are coming back so on like a whim decision I decided I was gonna get like an accommodation to stay here because I have a potential surgery coming up but I think I'm gonna push it because it's just for my knee so like whatever <laughs> and then I'll come to Toronto and then we can all chill together <laughs> Knees are essential. You can, you can have one. It's fine. It's fine. You can have one working leg. I've tried it. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she said it's fine. Like, and, and laugh. Like, oh, that, 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 you know, you know that so meme where there's a dog and he's sitting down in like a room of fire? It's your life. It's your life. You know? it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I have family there, so I've been there a few times, like over my lifetime, ah, obviously. Okay. But uh, honestly, I prefer Montreal, but that's probably just because I'm a major homebody and I, I really like my city. I'm actually coming to Montreal in November the 4th, I think it is, 4th until the 8th. Or um, it's the 13th. Yeah, of this year or next year? Of <laughs> well, this year, of December. Oh, December. I heard November. November. I'm like, damn, we time traveling now? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm so sorry. No, December. <laughs> I went, I'm supposed to be going there like a week and a half ago. <laughs> Are you, oh, you mean me? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The 13th. Okay. So let's go on to the next question. This is supposed to be a podcast after all. Okay. I'll stay focused. I promise you. No, nah, you don't have to. It's okay. We we never we rarely stay focused on this podcast, <laughs> and it always turns out good. Uh, the, the election episode, last episode, we kind of went a bit all over the place, but it was fun. Aviva was much fun, much fun. If a student wants to become a change maker, how can they do that? There are many opportunities to become a change maker in the faculty. Um, I always say the first interaction or the first experience being a change maker or exposure um it's in 1200 course i remember we had to pick a project and is that still course going on 1200 with um peter timberland search me um so, so basically that course is you find a um basically find a issue activist issue and you work on it um that was the first course i ever saw my whole class be inspired um, to actually go in and do anything. Um, so I would say 1200. It's also for this training, there's a lot of training at York. SCLD have training to become leaders. Um, York has a lot of training. Um, our faculty has specialized training. Check out Rosanna. She has, she does a lot of um, PD, professional development courses and trainings to help you um, get over public speaking, get over, um, present yourself in interviews. All this stuff is, is, is during the faculty for, um, for people to, Ads and we trying to get it, yeah. EUC has connections to everything, so just look at you, look at EUC, hook up, link them, and you should be good. Yeah, I'll have like a crap ton of links in the in the description for this episode. Oh, but no, yeah, Rosanna, join clubs up for Rosanna. Um, peer mentorship, all of that is we can you can get exposure and become a change maker. Yeah, they're they're very um they're designed to help you in terms of educational ways and exposure ways in terms of knowing what knowing what's out there for you yeah so they Definitely have scholarships they know what scholarships and what everything they yeah they're a good bunch 
Yeah. Don't be a mentor shit. Yeah, it's a good stepping stone, honestly, to making change. You can help students in some small way, especially if you're in one of the older years, you feel like you have knowledge to pass on. Definitely, definitely hit up the peer mentorship group. What is this? When I signed up to be a peer mentor, nobody told me that I had to know stuff. <laughs> yeah, but they're trained for all of that. There's also the WWF. I know. Um, I know. The office is in the building at the WWF. Um, program that's going on. Um, the future of Nicole, Nicole Arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. And they also, there's also also another one too. There's the what kind of solution. Um, United Nations um, SDGs. Uh, yes, the SDG hub. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're that's a wonderful bunch. Nicole. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. I had the old president, they were very, very close. We're yeah. very, very close with everybody. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I knew everyone. <laughs> Literally, for all the for all the listeners who don't know, you just you even start saying "ah" in that faculty building, and everyone's first thought is "Amon, Amon." <laughs> so true. Um, okay, yeah, <laughs> I was a troublemaker. <laughs> they all know this. <laughs> I was well, actually class. Noticed, you know. Would, yeah, right. I was actually the class. I would call you all. The teacher would be like, "Amon." Ask the question, and I'll be like, not me. Ash, ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many times in the class, the professor will be like, um, do you all know this question? And I will look at somebody in the class and be like, you, ask the question now. Bruh, get up and ask the question. You know this. The <laughs> like, I'm on, shut up, shut up. I'm like, no, you got this. Go, go, go. <laughs> I was that student in class. Yep. I was, I, was, I was the worst one. <laughs> class is always you're fun. the one. Class is but always there's, fun. There's no best and worst here. You are <laughs> the one. <laughs> the one amongst many. Yeah. All right. So if a student wants to hone their leadership skills, how can they do that? Very good question. Um, I would say training. Um, I realize the majority of times we don't we don't know our potential. We don't, we, we underestimate ourselves and that is our biggest problem. So for example, when we first did, um, I think second year of Yusa, so oh, first, the first semester of Yusa, no Yusa, Bessa, sorry, Bessa, um, we made everyone go through training with the SCLD. Um, they had to get trained on, um, it's, I'm saying sexual, sexual education training, that it does not write, sexual harassment. Safety. Safety or something like that. Oh, sexual violence or that, that one? Yes, yeah, sexual, tra- sexual violence. They were, they were trained on leaderships, public speaking. They were trained on every single thing that I could think of, that we could think of that I couldn't get them into. I got interested in everything. So they were more prepared in terms of going forward and doing something on their own. Yeah. So I would say first do the training. You don't have to. If you think you have a natural ability, go ahead and do it. Just get involved. Um, but there's training to help you if you don't, if you don't think you do. And if you just want that extra knowledge, trainings, connect with SCLD. You can go to Shuyu, sir. They have connections there, SCLD. Um, again, Rosanna Chaudhary. Um, mm-hmm. And get, get exposure. Pay attention yeah. to the, po- the email postings. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff, you, you know, there's a lot of things like conferences and trainings and just places where you can kind of vibe with people with the same interests. And it's... 
it's really good to, that really does get you focused. Yeah. The EOC newsletter is such a great asset because they have all kinds of, like all kinds of stuff. They have, if you're more on the social science side or the more behavioral side of environmental studies, if you're like a geo student, if you want to learn about GIS, remote sensing, biology, conservation, like they literally have so many different urban planning, so many different events with like top experts. And you can go and sit in on like a Zoom seminar for now. And I'm sure when school resumes, they'll be in person. But they're like, I'm, I'm going to one in two days, a biology sem uh, seminar. I think the guest speaker's name is going to be, what is it? I don't want to butcher it. But I think I, I, his name is Joel Levine. But yeah, like go sign up for stuff. Just go sit in and hear what people have to say. I did one on food and farming last year. It was so interesting. And that was with Rod, Rod, Rod McCrane? Mm, can't remember. Rod, Rod is I think amazing. Sarah Roth was in it too. Yeah. Rod is, Rod is amazing. I sat, I remember the first time. I wasn't, I'm not into food security, which is yeah. not, I'm not into it. I did study it probably. <laughs> I didn't study it. It was not my focus. I was more into the waste and what made waste waste. Mm -hmm. um, but I sat in a, in, a, in a conference with Ron and he said to talk and I was like, this, this connects back to the waste industry because if you, if you can find a way to, to, um, to increase soil and I mean, so it's more fertile, we can put in the plants and that's composting. And I was, I was going through it in my mind and he was like, yep, it connects, I'm on, it connects. I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, also, also, there's also um, the, the EUC calendar. Um, everyone just go, just um, connect it to your actual calendar and stuff pops all the time. This is how I actually went to a lot of different stuff first. I, went, I was connected to the EUC calendar and everything that was, they were doing events like, like that, it was always in my calendar. So it was free. I was, there was nothing else to do. I would just go on little seminars, get out of information and that kind of stuff. So yeah. link yourself with the EUC calendar. That's, we'll, we'll drop a link to that. They have everything. Every single episode. event that goes on, um, faculty councils, always, everything is in there. Everything is in that calendar. So, yeah. In my first year, which was last year, um, I sat in on quite a bit of seminars. Um, actually, it was, they, they helped me um, sort of narrow down what I wanted to to focus on because I mean I still am interested in in food systems it was either I was like sort of split between food systems and migration um, I mean they're both very interconnected because if people can't eat they just kind of leave as you do in a restaurant that's what you do in your country um, and yeah and there was this this very interesting um, this, what's that it was a movie premiere from Felipe Montoya's film about I, Nicaragua. I think, I, I, think I, I think it was there also. Mm -hmm. That sounds very, very familiar. It was, um, very yeah, it was the film More Than Migrants. You can check it out if you want. Um, it was about Nicaraguan migrants in Costa Rica. And that kind of sort of helped me to, to, to focus a bit more on on the migration side. And that's not to say I don't find food systems interesting. They are, um, but yeah. So it really does help. 
So would you say there are any specific characteristics a change maker must have? Or are there any misnomers or stereotypes about what a change maker has to be? So what I mean by that is I think a lot of people, when they think of leaders, they think of somebody who's super outspoken or who's doing like 50,000 things. And I think a lot of people look at that and think it's unrealistic or it just doesn't match their personality or their personal objectives. So what's your thought on that? Um, that's a good question. I don't think you don't have to have to be outspoken to be a change maker. You don't have to be, like I said before, there are different levels of change makers. You can be the supporter, you can be the person on the like for example. I personally, Nathy was there to do the the legislative stuff. I couldn't get that done. I mean I cut out. I just didn't want <laughs> can I say this out loud? I am not the best at that. Yeah. I am very good at walking in and figuring out what it, what's going on. I'm very good at functional way to life. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> not thinking more the planner. So it worked out in terms of I would tell Nathy something and Nathy mm -hmm. would we will work together to get done, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the okay. president before that, Jasmina, she was very, very good at, at public speaking. So she took that role and I said that. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do XYZ. Um, I was not a change maker, but my role changed. So I don't think, I think the, the, the notions of they have to be support spoken, you have to be, um, I already have stuff involved or being around the community and all that to be a change maker. I don't think that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's not. That's a that's been a shoot. Um, you just have to have a passion for a passion or idea of what you want to stand up for and what you want to do. What, what kind of change you want to, to, to enact in the world? Um, for example, I have like for example, Brooke. Brooke was a sustainable energy. He focused only on how to make how to capture um, energy and make the batteries more efficient. That's what Brooke focused on. Where and for him. <laughs> Me, I was like, okay, but that's not a lot of work for me. Um, I'll focus on X, Y, Z. <laughs> I'll focus on X, Y, Z. So it's, it, it, you don't have to be super outspoken. You don't have to be a leader already. You don't have to be, you just have to be yourself. Be yourself and, and be passionate about what you do. That's mm -hmm. how I see it. I could be wrong, but yeah, that's how I say it. No, I think it's interesting. The point you brought up with Natty and how like you're you feel comfortable doing certain things and Natty feels comfortable doing certain things as well and they're complementary strengths so if people with different passions or different skills work together then you have one cohesive unit that just is like awesome at doing everything together because you can collaborate and you can figure out what you're good at and people will always be there to back you up and do the things you're not so good at. Like I remember we were going to a meeting. I did not have no notes. I literally did nothing. I did nothing at all. Nothing stressed the whole day. I called Nathy at like our report. I was like, yo, you ready? He's like, I mean, so not here writing notes, thinking about possible scenarios are gonna happen. I'm like, Nathy, you are good. Whenever I stop talking, you do continue. You know what you're doing. He's like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm on. I was like, come on, we got this. But <laughs> what I did for him and that he stopped thinking. He stopped. Over, overthinking, he stopped over panicking. And we, it worked, it literally worked out. I was like, you don't need to relax. Everything is not so intense. Life is very easy. Yeah. Like it is, well, I think so. I can be wrong, but life, for me, life is very easy. Just, we, take, we, we put more pressure on ourselves than other people do. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's I true. mean, it's like this, 
the, the podcast, um, I can honestly say I wouldn't have been able to do it alone without, that, without my co-host because we, we have our, our complementary skill sets. Um, yeah. She's much a much, much better conversationalist than I am. I can say That's that. Not true. 100%. <laughs> That's not true. Oh my gosh. I, 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 I don't know. I'm like, yeah. You can, when editing it, okay, like the bits that, that you're talking are so smooth and nice and, and it's very, very conversational. I mean, it's like, yeah, well, um, okay, look, okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Yep. Mm, uh, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're a good speaker too. And you do all the video editing, which full disclosure, I have no idea how the hell to do that. I have no idea. I, I would not I will to live and die not knowing how to video edit. I swear. <laughs> that is me. That is me. I get stressed out. I sit down there and people, I, I remember this time we were doing a video and they were, they were teaching us how to do it. We were going back and forth. This one piece I'm like 30 times. I'm just like, I'm trying to hear myself say this. I'm trying to hear this. Can you stop? Like, I'm like, I got so I got so anxious hearing this thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. But they had to do it to, to edit it. I'm just like, this is too much. This is too much yeah. for me to, to, to experience. So kudos to anyone that can edit. Well, kudos to you. Well, full Ash kills full, it disclosure, full full disclosure. Before doing this. I didn't have the faintest idea how to edit either. But my my brother studied that when he was at Seneca. And I was like, okay, look, I'm doing a podcast. You do a podcast. You've been you've been trained in this. Just look, this is this is like the karate kid. You're the sensei. Just tell me what to do, please. Please. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know. It always helps to have a team. I learned that honestly a little too late. Mm-hmm. like I went I, I did like a whole other university degree before this one and I spent no time making friends I just literally went in there did my classes and went home and not having people to like talk to when you're stressed or when you don't know how to do something and you know for sure like other people know what they're doing and you don't have anyone to rely on is like the worst feeling ever so Team, yeah, I, I forget where I was going with this, but teamwork like is important. Is what I'm yeah. 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 That, that was like, that was like when I got into, so I studied Humber a bit before I came to York. It was, um, I was like, you know what? Nah, nah, bro. Let's let's try to let's try to do something different this time. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. I was sort of Pardon, sorry to say it might have worked out. I think it worked out. For the most part, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it did. It did. I mean, I was the total opposite. I was every university I went to, or I my fourth degree. Every school I went to I was more of. I came to Europe to not do anything. I literally for the first, for the first maybe the first semester, I used to go home and go straight I was school and back to school, home. I never used to do anything. Um, I never used to be involved. I was just. I wanted to go through my whole school without, without like, <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> but that was like, when I told my father, he, when he came back to York, he came to York at time to like see me. He asked somebody, he just found a person who was like, hey, where's Amon? 
I said, oh, so I said, oh, don't, I just, I just tried it. How did this person know you? I was like, lucky <laughs> guess, I guess. I tried so hard not to be noticeable at York and it didn't work. It did not work. Well, you're not really the unnoticeable type, you know? And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That is the, I try so hard though. I really do try. The whole faculty would have been worse off if you'd succeeded though. Don't say that. It's true. It's true. It would have been such a loss. We're all fun. We're all good. Yeah, so well, I mean, kind of did the next bit where we're just supposed to talk about some of the programs. Um, We could also talk about some of the clubs. Getting involved with clubs is always fun. Um, You know, you have clubs like Yuxa where you can, well, I mean, it's not really a club. It's more of a student association and government. It is both of them. So we are actually supposed to be also a club. So <laughs> I should have known yes. that. We're editing this bit out. We're editing this bit out. <laughs> we are supposed to be actually opening the whole of York University. Um, to whoever wants to do environmental. That's what we had um, anthropology students on it before and that kind of stuff. We actually mm-hmm. opened the whole York. They cannot be a, a part of the executive committee. While we're talking about clubs, actually, to get back on track a little, I pulled yes, up. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> pulled up Yusa's socials because I actually wanted to plug a few in particular and maybe Ash can link them in the description for you guys so that you can have all their information but a few good ones that we are specifically in contact with and that have kind of like the same goals aligned as us Um, there's a few so we have YU Fossil Free they're basically trying to get York to divest from fossil fuels and to be part of more like decarbonization and sustainability initiatives throughout the school. Another good one is the SDG Hub. So you can find them on Instagram at SDGHub underscore York And they have a lot of good information, a lot of good seminars all around kind of like green events. Another one is the Carbon Free Club. That's a great one. And we also have Regenesis York. We have green underscore you are, which is actually Regenesis, I think. No, it's not. No. But it's it's a it's a club called Green Urban Revitalization. So definitely go check them out. I don't even think they're York affiliated, actually. But they've been like repping our stuff, and we've been repping theirs, and they have some really interesting content. So please go check them out. Lots about waste and composting and fun stuff. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. All thank those. you for that. Yes, thank you very much. The um, why of fossil free people, absolute rock and bunch. Them, they're on episode two. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, yeah. They're, they just recently uh, sent out an open letter to the gathering signatures on it. Um, for yeah. to divest, which is good. Um, Regenesis is a good bunch too. Yeah, you can also find YU fossil free, fossil free, excuse me. You can find their petition in our link tree. And you can also find <laughs> you can also find it on their pages on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. I'm just gonna leave the bits that I say aren't gonna be in the final cut. I'm gonna say this bit isn't gonna be in the final cut, then cut that bit out and everybody will be wondering what it is. How about that? <laughs> have long pauses throughout yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Nobody says anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
And this is a redaction, a whole redaction. They got to wait three minutes. Like, oh, what's going on? Oh, what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you can tease one, one word. They'd be like, yes. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should do that for the April Fool's. Yes. Episode. Yes. <laughs> just have a whole podcast where nothing happens. <laughs> hour and 20 just, minutes. Just, Maybe people think that it's their phones and they're like 24 out and you just say, like, every third word you say something. And then you have like a little bit of conversation, they stop all together again. That'd be funny, no? And then I think they're like, oh, my phones. <laughs> and then you go like really <laughs> low, like you keep going lower, like, uh, uh, yeah. And, and like, they think and- their headphones are broken and then you just blast them with a air horn. <laughs> <laughs> and then like just oh shatter God. their ears. <laughs> We're going to get so many angry emails. The April Fool's episode is going to be great. Yeah, we've got just, a lot more for that. It's so going to be a mess. I know, a hot mess, but it, that's the way it should be. I am so sorry. If you guys want to do it over ever, just let me know. I can get making sure Majid is here. But I realized that I may have talked too fast. If I did, you know, whatever. We got all those over parts, but. No, it was good. It was good. We were not good. I, I, we did not. <laughs> I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, the show is all about going off track. Honestly. Okay. That's what makes it that's what makes it good. We're living our best life out here. What's the point of being like super structured? Like yeah. because structure is good. About structure. Structure is good. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing <laughs> stopping you from calling. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> So for those who are not super familiar with this conference, we're going to be talking about the COP26 today, which is basically the fancy acronym for the United Nations Climate Change Conference. So the 26th conference of this kind just happened this year, and it happened from October 31st to November 12th. So it just ended this past week, actually. And this week, this um, year was held in Scotland, so in Glasgow. And basically the purpose of these summits are to bring parties together to accelerate action towards the goals of the Paris Agreement and the UN Framework Convention on climate change. So for those of you who have already heard of the Paris Agreement, I'm sure you've heard of that popular line about keeping global temperatures from rising by 1.5 degrees Celsius, and even more importantly, keeping them from rising above two degrees Celsius. So both signify very widespread changes to our climate. And although a 1.5 degree shift is said to be a little better than a two degree shift, both still have very serious connotations and they're expected to be exponentially worse if it increases by two degrees versus 1.5. So what Canada is planning on doing under this agreement is that they've committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions across the country by 30% below 2005 levels by the year 2030. So this basically gives us only 10 years to cut our emissions by one third. And Canada has also agreed that by 2050, its economy is going to be in a net zero emissions position. So what that means is that greenhouse gas emissions are either not going to be emitted at all, or we're going to do a lot to basically offset these by doing other things like planting trees or through carbon capture and storage. 
So obviously these are some pretty hefty goals. And from the sounds of it, if anybody follows Greta Thunberg or other climate activists or experts, you'll know that the conference didn't really do a fantastic job at addressing climate solutions, especially on a global basis. Um, and in fact, Greta actually went so far as to call it a greenwashing festival. That basically was just a chance for these authority figures to pat each other on the back and to put business as usual once again on a pedestal. So obviously this struck a chord for a lot of people because it doesn't seem like the greatest and most appropriate time for policymakers to be falling short on delivering solutions for us and for climate change. So all that being said, have you guys kept up to date with the conference? Did you hear or see anything interesting that happened? They're just keeping the business as usual. I mean, yeah. It's because it's because the I was thinking about this and it's a, it's because the whole system doesn't let it, it can't let you change within the confines of how it's working because its entire purpose was built to just make money at the expense of everything else, including the environment. So if you try to shoehorn some sort of change within the framework of the system, it ain't working because the system won't let it work. There's a, there's a great quote that goes something like, um, you can never dismantle the master's house using the master's tools. Exactly. Basically, we need better solutions than what is being offered to us right now. And what yeah. is being tabled even at these gigantic conferences that are super well-funded and, and by like basically everybody in the world. 25,000 people, it took a lot of planes to fly them there, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Cleaning up after that. Maybe our waste management expert can weigh in on that. Um, but yeah, the I don't know. It seems like it was such a... Uh, like, what's his name? Obama went up there and spoke. I didn't know that, actually. He was saying something about they need to do more to stop climate change. Mm -hmm. You had eight years, Mr. Former President. And what did you do? You built another pipeline. Yeah. It's like Trudeau marching, like rallying with other people for climate change. It's like, bro, you're in office. You can do something. You can do something. I mean, like, we'll say that the, the president of Tuvalu, he gave his speech in like waist deep water because that yeah. country it's like the highest point is 15 meters above sea level. So if the seas start rising, it's gone, it's done. There's no more Tuvalu. We don't like that. Yeah, exactly. It was Barbados. She should have known that. It's the PM of Barbados. Her name's Mia Amor Motley. She had an incredible speech and yeah, super moving. And I can try to, we can maybe link it for you guys. Our resident Basically. expert should have known that. <laughs> Where is our resident expert? 
he gone? <laughs> I'm so sorry, my sister called me and I was trying to like get her off the phone to log on. <laughs> but then, because she's going to um she's going to her friend's birthday shower. So she called to check in and see what he was doing. So I'm so sorry. I was trying to get her phone, but yeah. Well, we were just talking about Barbados and you missed it. I'm so sorry, what happened to Barbados? <laughs> no, I was saying, I can't remember. I have my notes on it. I can't find them for some reason. But the PM of Barbados, Nia Motley, incredible, incredible lady. She had a really moving speech at the, at the UN Climate Summit. Had you seen it by any chance? Yes, I did. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. She's truly amazing. Yeah. She's truly amazing. Um, and she's very good at what she does in terms of speaking. She's a, she's a public speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I have to find it actually. We're actually doing, um, we're trying to um, do a conversation part in Barbados. So there's, there's a lot going on in terms of that venture. Yeah. yeah I, found a quote, I found a quote from it actually. It is not because we do not have enough. It is because we do not have the will to distribute that which we have. Amen to that. Yeah. We'll link the speech in the description. Um, the Caribbean is very, very, they're, they're in there because water levels are rising. Mm-hmm. There's no way to mitigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I even realized that even Guyana, no one's at Guyana, but Guyana is literally, they were always about pain, pain, but there, there is a lot, it's getting worse in Guyana. Mm-hmm. And we're really, really bad in Guyana. And we're just taking resources from them. We're not, we're not really helping the, um, the Guyanese economy or the Guyanese people. And we're not. The other day, they were going to say to take the oil. There's a lot of whole drama with that going on. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the cost. I mean, yeah, sure. The, the what's it? Places are on fire, and there's earthquakes, and that's that's terrible. Uh, I don't want to mitigate that, but entire countries are quite literally going to be wiped off the map. Yes, and yes, all these very, people very can do is just go to a lecture hall in Scotland. Nice country, by the way. Um, <laughs> I just and just talk about the same thing that they've already said 26 other times. It's been 26 times. I'm not, mm, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't know if it is. We can't get it done. We be trying so hard, but we can't get it done. Um, because I don't think they can figure out how to balance the economy and the environmental issues together. Um, I don't think they have to figure out. Some countries have, other countries cannot. Um, I think that's a problem. Like, they don't, they don't know what to turn, how to turn, where to go, what to prioritize, what to, what, what, what to do. And that's the issue. Uh, I mean, I'd say. For me, like, I would have a. This, sorry? This is, uh, you know, maybe it might be slightly facetious, but I'd say you prioritize the planet. Without the planet, there's nothing. Even if your economy is a bit smaller afterwards, I mean. If well, the planet is to Mars. They, 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 we have bandits of We have deem this planet unsavable and we plan to go to another country. Another, sorry, hold on another planet in the you know yeah. So I, I really don't think that. That's just a pie in the sky idea. There's no, if 
No, that's not happening. That's not happening anytime soon. Fingers crossed. Because that's where the money's going. They're like, we can't save also, this one. It also gives us a one-way ticket out of needing to find a solution for this. That is what the problem is. You we know, don't, we, I don't think they can. I mean, we, they say, but I don't think they, they can actually, or they want to do it. Mm-hmm. I just say that, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough too. Like my prof was, my, I, I'm definitely going to just mooch off of like my prof's ideas here. But if you guys haven't taken ENBS 3400 with Professor Perkins, she's an amazing, amazing speaker. It is. She has very short lectures, but it's always so impactful what she says. But she said something last class along the lines of a lot of developed countries feel the need now to basically come to these conferences and stand on their you know, their pedestal and tell other countries that are just now starting to get their economy picked up and they're finally starting to develop and developed countries are coming in and saying, well, now we have to reduce all our greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, for countries that are less developed or still in the process of developing, that's going to take a huge toll on their economy. It's not always feasible for those countries to move directly to green solutions. Like there does need to be some kind of evolution. And a lot of the times it depends on what resources are available in those countries. And a lot of the times the financing isn't there. So I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way. She's kind of talking about how like, it's kind of like reverse colonialism again. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this, is gonna, this different ways? It's the same thing. It's not even reverse colonialism. It's the same thing. Just like, this package differently. That's what it yeah. is. Everything is, yeah. Um, I remember, I remember we were talking about, I just thought I'm trying to talk. So sorry, give me two seconds. Um, we were talking about countries not being able to. Oh, yeah. So I'm in a disaster management field. And I remember I was doing a segment on Bermuda, no, Antigua and Bermuda. Bermuda? Uh, Antigua something. I think it's Antigua Bermuda. I can go check with me. Um, yes, Antigua, Antigua and Bermuda. So what happened is what countries never do, what bigger countries never do like, like um, um, I don't want to say once, okay, China and the rest, is that they will help our aid countries, smaller countries in disaster management, disaster management help. But they would take, they would all ask for something back again. I want the land, I want this, I want that. So there's not, they're not really getting help. They're not really, yeah. they're not, you know what I'm saying? They, they have to pay back for it in some way. Um, set up like water space, set up air space, something that they that they benefit, um, benefit them. A perfect example of that is Haiti. <laughs> yeah. Of how they were, I mean, they had natural disasters and that caused the country to experience this stuff and there was a lot of corruption. It was also resources very badly mismanaged and from other countries that came in and took over um, stuff that the other smaller countries have. And then they don't really do anything about it. So they come and take cause up well and then they just leave and like, okay well we're good <laughs> yeah. we don't need that anymore sort of thing in the countries to burn and now they're uh, asking these countries to figure out their carbon emissions and things like that it's like you didn't have the foresight to think about how that was going to affect the economy of that country or the people in that country and now you're asking them to basically put a band-aid or repair your mistakes and then and then for example like countries let me say canada canada can say let's not let's not um Let's 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 stop all cars one time. Other countries can't do that. Other countries who who need trade, who need all that, so they can't do that. So if they stop the 
didn't have no money, they had no foreign economy in the countries or, or foreign exchange in the country. What are they gonna do? How did yeah. they how did they how did they survive? Yeah. And then and then like for example, how do you tell the people of the country who just like let me say let me say Trinidad and Barbados and Caribbean who spend their whole life trying to get a car and a house and that kind of stuff. How do you tell that person now the car you're using we can't use anymore? Yeah. They they can't they have to go out the back. You want to send a permission? They can't. Mm-hmm. It's a trick or don't you find? It's a trick or don't you find? And I mean, like, are those individuals? Sorry, Ash. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, it's true. Like, are those individuals not privy to the same things we're entitled to? Do they not have the right to basically transport themselves or commute to work, to school, whatever they're planning on doing? Do they not have the right to like the same level of livelihood and quality of life that developed countries are? You know, right now they're. They're struggling to get to that level. And then yeah. with all this now, they, they mitigate. I remember on the other day, we had the worst hurricane. So the, oh, I knew this, when the volcano erupted in St. Vincent, I knew that the hurricane season was going to be bad because obviously heat went in one area and it caused a whole uproar and how the environment works, you get me? Um, but the country didn't see that. The Caribbean country did not see that. And they could not mitigate it. They don't have the finances to go and even start mitigating stuff like that. So it was like, we can need your help, but your help come with a price. And if you, it's just, it's just a, a very weird system, a very, very weird system. And even that applies here, because we're not all in the same sort of class. Mm-hmm. But your government will take care of you. But your government is going to take care of you. Other countries are not, the government don't, the government but can't afford like, like, let's say, okay, let's say they're banning all the sales of the gasoline cars, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody, all they could afford was a, beater little 93 civic right and then the government's gonna say well no you can't do that you have to buy this ninety three thousand dollar tesla now yeah um can't do that and then what are you supposed to do a good example of that in canada is western provinces whose economy rely very heavily on oil and gas Mm -hmm. and other fossil fuels they're not like quebec and ontario where it's very common to have like an electrical vehicle rebate or something of that notion where people get discounts and get money off for buying electric cars and having that alternative like those people are basically relegated to having a gasoline car or nothing because their province will not support them um, because they're too busy supporting the fossil fuel industry that is a lot of countries i was going to say that as as that point that's a lot of countries too a lot of countries are um i read the is a magnificent caricom. I mean, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but they basically, they're focusing mainly on businesses first, um, companies before they focus on people, before they focus on, and I, I realize they're pumping a lot of money into companies and getting companies to be viable and withstand disaster management, like have did, like mitigate disasters and business continuation and all this stuff, but they're not actually, the people who actually have to go buy these stuff or use these services, they can't, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, it just confused me. And also, Canada and a lot of other countries are really, really, really big. Okay, Canada is huge. And as much as I, and I do love electric vehicles. I, I think they're, they're very good. They're obviously the essential way forward. But at the same time, they can't go nearly as far. And I know, you know, the infrastructure doesn't exist, so we have to build the infrastructure like that article in 
Costa Rica we were talking about um, yeah. last episode, was it? Yeah. It's the last episode. Yes. Okay. I think two. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> we talked about it on the show. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is that the infrastructure isn't there at all. And then we also have to think of the toll it's taking mining the lithium, refining it, disposing of it once it's done. Although those new graphene air batteries, all you need is some thin carbon and some air. And it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm putting my money behind that or, or some fuel cells because lithium, man, lithium is not, lithium ain't good for nobody. Yeah. Lithium ain't it. It ain't it, folks. Chief call. It ain't <laughs> it. Oh. Yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, maybe I could propose a solution uh, on an international level. Maybe we can all work together. I know. I know it's a novel concept to pretty much every government in existence working together with no discernible monetary short-term monetary benefit, but if maybe the countries that have the technology to, to have economies and means of production that don't rely on excessive pollution can help countries that don't have it make that within, to, to work within the framework that those countries exist so that their economy doesn't take a complete nosedive into oblivion, then maybe we should. I know. For me, you're completely right. For me, it made sense. For example, um, I was looking at the Caribbean, for example. They import, our country imports 87% of its, of its food and everything. Majority of the stuff is imported. We can grow stuff, but because we have shifted from um, agricultural societies to more tourism, um, people don't want to do it. People, we don't, we don't, a lot of people don't want to do it. We don't have the land space also. And we don't, our island is 27 square miles. You can go around Barbados in one hour. You can get in a car. I drive the whole island in one hour. <laughs> well, two hours. Let me call it two hours. People must see. But our <laughs> island is very, very small. Like, like it was a, coming here and I was saying like limes. I was like, I don't do limes. You do <laughs> This country is too big for me. But our country is very, very small. And a lot of countries are very small. They don't have the resources or the, the manpower or the, the to do it. You understand? Okay. So, it, and then, for example, it was telling, we were talking about in CARICOM on the, on the board, it was talking about using other countries, for example, Jamaica can grow bananas, yams, um, some other thing. Oh, understand? Barbados grows something else. We all share each other. There's nothing we're for anymore. Like, <laughs> it's, a, our, our, it's cheaper to, to, to pass through and share the economy. And it's a common sense. It's, to me, it was common sense. Why not mm-hmm. come up together and like, compete with these bigger countries if you want to do that? Or so that. every country come together. But I mean, there's an IMF thing going on. There's always Oh, oh God, don't get, don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> So that's just a whole that's a oh, whole nother episode. We'll, set, but yeah. yeah. That's a whole nother episode. Um yeah, that that will just the, the two or three of us will just start start going off on that. I'll just we scream, need to work I'll together just the whole time. <laughs> it won't even be words, I'll just fully scream. <laughs> <laughs> But the only way is to work, work together. That's the only way of seeing anything, anything out of this. Like I was mm-hmm. thinking to my father the other day, we were discussing it. I was like, why are they planting trees around everywhere that has no function? Why not plant an apple tree where people can get free apples? For example, in our countries, and they realize it too, 
I can, I would never be hungry in my country. I can go down the road and pick a, a breadfruit or pick a, a yam or banana, eat it. Are you making want breadfruit? It's, I love breadfruit. Oh my God. It's, and it's not a roast breadfruit, but tuna instead of it. Girl, if you never had that, I'm sorry, guys, girls, if you never had that in your life, you would change your life. Like, curry breadfruit? No, roast breadfruit. So you're like, no, no, so I'm saying you, curry breadfruit on point. Curry. Yeah. Ooh. Curry breadfruit. I want to try that. I need to try that. Yeah, I've I never tried that. that. I have tried breadfruit though. 10 on 10, 11 Listen. on 10. You, you have, if you need to have roast breadfruit with the tuna, everything is melted instead of the breadfruit, and you're eating the breadfruit and there's tuna in between it, it is the most, I used to eat that almost every day at home. Like, I, I, I was from the islands, and my mom, I used to order it to get to my office to eat it. I was doing... <sighs> now, okay. here's a trivia, here's a bit of trivia for, for you. In Toronto, if there's a fruit tree or a fruit plant, and you go pick the fruit needed, that's illegal. Yep. yep, it's trespassing or something, right? It's it, it's some weird, bizarre, specific law that basically criminalizes food for poor people. We're saying it. We're saying it on this show. Are you serious? As yeah. a heart attack, doesn't stop people from doing it, but that is that is bad. Why why would you not? Why would you not? Why, what what fruits grow back? It grows back. It is <laughs> going to grow back. I don't understand this. Because this is Toronto. They have a bunch of laws here that make basically having fun and existing illegal. Um. Like, I, I, I only know, understand, I was like, I can go, I can go down the road, like, and pick an apple, pick a breadfruit, sit down and eat it together. Like, there's, there's no notion of, of hunger. There's people that don't obviously eat because obviously they're tired of that shit. But it's more of, I don't want to eat because I don't want to eat that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You always get food in there. You always find food in the, in the Caribbean. Pick an apple tree. And I'm like, why y'all don't do that here? Why they don't plant stuff that the whole, everybody can use and eat? Why because, have... Yeah. Because here and in a lot of uh, societies like uh, America or Canada or places that a lot of white people are, uh, we're about to go down a road that may get us a few emails. Let's come back then. So there's a lot of this attitude of, and and I'm not exactly sure how to put it, but I know it exists. It's this attitude that if there's something to partake of in a public space, you simply don't. And that I think a lot of it just has to do with a societal almost hate of of poor people basically um because it's just like you can't you can't go out and and pick an apple and eat it like why what's the point it's what just there to look at well i got news for you Apple doesn't give a rat's ass if it's being looked at or not. And but I'm it, pretty sure if you don't eat it, the birds are already, or these worms are yeah. already. The earth, you understand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is not dimmable. And then, of course, the insurance people get in there. Well, the insurance people, we don't like them. But the um, insurance policy know. people. <laughs> yeah. it's, why, it's why you can't... Um, okay, if, a, let's say, a restaurant has 
somewhere like Tim's, right? It has leftover donuts. Ah, uh, yeah. You can't give it to people. No. Nope. That's illegal. Yeah. Because of supposedly because of health and safety, but it's not really health and safety. It's just criminalizing poor people. Yeah. Talk about the health and safety issues that homeless people regularly go towards. I know. Wouldn't would being fed? Wouldn't being fed just help? Like. <laughs> I can tell head, you, I can tell you a hundred percent that it would. Mm-hmm. In my head, if I was a government, what I would do. Um, food companies, food businesses, if you, at the end of the year, at the end of the day, if you have anything, bring it to one particular place, let me say before, between nine and 12, you know, yeah. like a, a rough time or whatever, have them come and then give them a little statement for it. They're going to try the garbage either way. I'm pretty sure business would be like, if I get a little hundred $20 for it, it's better than getting nothing at all or dumping it in the garbage. I just never understand. The government can literally and tax the people again and be like, listen to me, this is the environmental tax. Y'all tax me for everything. And you have, your company has like a billion dollars in reserves. So now they're, in case something happen. Like, <laughs> come on. John Terry for president again. They can do, they can do way better. Like way better. I remember this one time, I don't think I tell you this story, but yeah. But this one time I was, I just came to Canada. And I am that weird person where I felt homeless person on the street and then I would talk to them. Like I literally would go and sit and talk to them and not. And I had to learn not to do it in Canada because people here are maybe many a civil. It was my friend's birthday and we were at the red restaurant. And this guy outside was a homeless person. He was outside ass with scraps. So obviously my brain is like, come on, eat with us. <laughs> my friend did not speak to me for at least three, three weeks. She did not speak to me at all. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Why he's hungry. Why just don't let him come and eat with us? She said, no, we can't do that. That's first it's my birthday. And then still afterwards, but. It was my birthday, and then you just don't bring random people to eat with you in, that, in Canada. But for me at home, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now. I would be like, You hungry? Let's go. Let's go for food. Yeah. And then, you know, Stanley, like, they even give that person extra just to make sure he eat for the rest of the week. So that's the number thing for me. I did not come in here, it was a whole different adapt. adapt. I had to adapt to your country, your, your culture. Because here we, from when you're little, is ingrained this. this astonishing stranger danger or fear, <laughs> uh, especially regarding homeless like, people. Hey, stranger. <laughs> and honestly, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I'm not going to say, okay, we should teach kids to just like, you know, go out and hug every stranger that they see on the, on the street. And not quite, but the rhetoric that's used is so dehumanizing towards homeless people and, and poor people. And it's just, I'm gonna say, it's like, it, it really is morally wrong because there's still people, they just people without a home and that's it. People without a house even, and that's there's, there's so many situations that I, I remember when I first, people were saying that they were because of drugs. There are people turn to drugs because of they can't manage the everyday society and drugs are an outlet. So that means if, if they're going to drugs, that means there's a problem in society that we need mm-hmm. to fix. Because you understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's literally only one aspect of like our lives that differentiate us and a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Like you could be out on the street tomorrow. Oh, okay. There's so many different reasons why people are homeless. It could be drugs. It could be financial problems. It could be you don't identify with the culture that you're living in, with the society that we live in. A lot of people choose to be homeless because they just feel more comfortable that way. 
but does that mean that we have to be fearful of them or weary of them or even no. desensitized to mm -hmm. seeing people in unfortunate situations? Like the fact that 50 people can walk by, 300 people can walk by a person that is sitting and begging for money or food and just not bat an eye. Walk right past it. Walk so past it. I, I feel so bad. Like, please ask. I, I never, I'm that person to give, to be like, okay, here you go, here you go. I try not, I try not to look at it because I'm that person. Remember we were in Vegas the time back and my father literally was like, I used to give you money and so go on the street and give it away to people in, in Vegas. I was like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. That's not something you do. But you know, it's like, the brain works. We got all gonna eat. We're all gonna eat. You know, let them eat cake. No, I'm back to that again. We're all gonna eat. We're all gonna eat. The thing is though, is it's just, from their perspective, it's such a, it's, it's a demoralizing and exhausting existence to be constantly out there. And it's frightening too, because you have nowhere to, you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to run if something happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. And you know, and there's a lot just, of. Just have that, those. The way people talk about about homelessness and homeless people is it it never fails. The way a lot of people talk about it never fails to just almost I don't want to say disgust me because I know that's a really really harsh word, but it, it does, hurts. It you. disappoints me. It hurts you. Yeah, I give up humanity every since. I'm literally just I am. I wow. live on an island myself um, and swing from trees at Tarzan. That's what I really want to do in my life. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm supposed to stay in society for some reason. But we'll see. <laughs> well, that was all we had for today. Thank you very much, Mr. Amon Cherry, for stopping by our humble little podcast. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. Do we have anything else? Do you have anything else, Kaylee? We have our factor myth section. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I keep forget <laughs> I keep forgetting that that's before the guest leaves. Last episode, our factor myth question was: putting a price on carbon means citizens will pay more taxes. And if you answered false, you are correct. This is proving slowly to be inaccurate. Though many people think carbon taxing systems will actually be disastrous to economies, they're proving to work in places very close by, including British Columbia. So since their carbon tax was in instituted, BC residents now not only emit less carbon, but are paying less taxes than ever before, thanks to the provincial government sending out rebates through its carbon tax system. And what this has basically granted BC is that their GDP has increased by 6.4% from 2008 to 2015, while the rest of Canada's GDP only increased on average by 3.1%. So that's pretty crazy. So all you people blathering on about the economy tanking, like all the critics and everything. I know. And then you have statistics like this that just... And you know, there's a lot of countries in like the Scandinavian region and Europe that have had carbon tax systems for a very long time. And you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll go back to Mia Amor Motley. She had this quote, 
And she said something along the lines of, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for change. And it's like, you know, we could just try the alternative. We've tried it one way. We could just try it this way. Yeah, exactly. It's not working anyway. So just give, give a try of something else, you know? But yeah. So that was last week's question. And for today's factor myth, we have for you guys, the last UN climate change conference was held in 2019 in Madrid, fact or myth. So stay tuned till next episode to hear the answer. You can also check us out on Instagram where I will have posted on our story what the correct answer is. And this time for our listeners on Spotify, we're going to be utilizing the Spotify polls function um, to get to, to do the fact or myth. Um, so if you are on Spotify, head over to that poll, punch in your answer, argue with your friends, your family. They don't really care. Um, that's all. That's y'all problem. But hit the poll and next episode, we'll let you know what's the answer. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, guys. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank Thanks you for, for being coming. here. Okie doke. So, yeah, that's us. Keep up with Yuxa on our social media, yuxa.yu on Instagram and Facebook, and yuxa underscore yu on Twitter. In our social bios, you can find our link tree with important news or links, including a link to the wonderful EUC Discord server. If you have any email queries, I hate that word, or concerns for Kaylee, (laughs) or myself, please drop us a message at changemaker.podcastyu at gmail.com. It's been wonderful, listeners. Yes, as always, we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Bye.